Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome everyone to On The Market. On today's episode, we are going to go deep into a very important topic, how to get started in real estate investing in 2022. We're going to cover headlines that address the challenging and confusing economic conditions we're facing. We'll talk about strategies and tactics that new investors can employ to get a great deal right now. And we will help one of our audience members walk through their first deal. Welcome everyone back to On The Market. Today, I have my good friends, Jamil Damji, Henry Washington, and Kathy Fecky joining me today. And because we are going to be talking about first deals and getting into real estate for the first time a lot in today's show, before we get started, Henry, can you tell me in 30 seconds what your first deal was? My first deal was a rental property. Bought it, got, found it from word of mouth just because I was telling people I was an investor, even though I had no clue how to actually be one. And uh, somebody heard that and said, I need to sell this house in 30 days. Can you buy it? And I said, yep. And I had no idea what to do. Literally downloaded a contract off BiggerPockets, signed a contract and figured out a way to buy it. Boom. I love it. What about you, Kathy? 
Ooh, 30 seconds. Okay, my dad was distressed. They He had invested in a, an apartment in Marin County and uh, the, the sponsors sold it and he was he didn't know he was on vacation. So bottom line, he was about to retire and found out he was about to have to pay all these back taxes from the sale of that property that he invested in for years. I was like, Dad, what, what do you need? And he goes, I just need a new property, a replacement property. So uh, Rich and I ended up finding, we were just getting married that year, ended up finding a huge house that met the 1031 exchange. And, and we said, Dad, we will take care of this for you, all details. And uh, what we didn't know at the time, but know now, is that we ended up inheriting that house. Uh, and then all the back taxes you know, were, were gone. So that was how we did it. We uh, we turned it into a fourplex, and we shared walls. We had we house hacked, and that's how we did it. All right, Jamil, what's your first deal? Wholesale. I was walking for dollars. Tired landlord. Had a buyer in my back pocket that I knew would pay a specific amount of money. Locked it up. Fifty thousand dollars less than that. Wholesaled it. Forty-seven thousand dollar profit after paying the attorneys and title fees. First deal, life changing. I love it. Everyone, just keep that in mind as you're listening to this episode. There are a lot of different ways to get into real estate, and we're going to talk about some of the best ways that you can get in, even in this this unusual economic climate. Before we do that, we do need to get to our Between the Headlines segment, and I have some really good headlines that I think help paint the picture for the economic climate new investors are finding themselves in right now. So we're going to play the game. It's just called Quick Take, super simple. I'm going to read a headline, give you some background information, and would love just a quick opinion from each of you about what this means for investors, new and experienced alike. The first story is that the stock market continues to underperform this year. Over the last couple of years, we've gotten really used to the stock market just going up and up and up. As of now, we are seeing that the Dow Jones is down 6% year to date, and that is the best index right now. The S&P is down 10%, and the NASDAQ, which is very tech heavy, is down 17% year to date. And it doesn't look like things are getting any better to me, but would love to get your opinion. Kathy, let's start with you. Well, the people I listen to, and I, I don't invest a lot in stocks, just a little bit, uh, but the people I listen to uh, say that you want to be in inflation, inflationary stocks, so energy, food, uh, th- things like that. So the stock market's like like lots of things. Not, not all stocks are good and not all stocks are bad. Uh, there are different companies that are performing well in this environment. Uh, what didn't help last week is that uh, Powell, the, the Fed chief, uh, Jerome Powell, mentioned to, at the IMF that they were going to be more aggressive that they, I think he, he said, uh, we're going to move a little more quickly. And when Jerome Powell speaks, investors listen, and it really affects the stock market, which can be much more volatile. All right, Henry, what do you think? Yeah, man, the stock market is, um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. It's an investment vehicle that people have used for you know, decades and decades to to build wealth, right? And so the stock market tends to react negatively uh, to fear, right? And a lot of things that that drive fear are uncertainty. And boy, the last two to three years has been the definition of uncertainty, right? The things that have happened in our in our in our world um, are things that no one could have predicted, and unpredictability 
drives uncertainty, which drives fear, which is, you know, you're seeing the market respond to that fear. But if you look at the stock market as a whole, it's similar to real estate, right? We all know if you buy real estate now and you hold it for the next 50 years, right, or 20, even call it 10 to 20 years, right, the trajectory line is going to be increasing over time. And so if you're trying to make money in the short term by, by buying something that may be low right now, hoping it goes back to its pre you know, pandemic highs, then, you know, that's, that's a gamble. But if you're buying quality companies, right. Um, who are producing quality products or services, um, that you trust and believe in and you hold them for a long period of time, I think, I think that's, that's a way to play it quote unquote safe. So, you know, right now it's going to be a little volatile because the world's volatile, you know, as things stabilize, hopefully things stabilize in the world, you know, the stock market will follow suit. So if you're trying to if you're trying to buy low, sell high in, in short term right now, probably not the market for you. All right, Jamel, wrap us up here. <clears throat> Never been a fan of the stock market in my in, in you know, even though, as Henry said, it it tends to go up over time. For me, I'm genetically engineered to trade. I love the excitement of being in things and trading. And so stocks are very much like gambling for me. I do better in Vegas than I do in the stock market, just saying that. So um, for me, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not putting my money in the stock market. I don't have my money in the stock market. I never will put my money in the stock market. So that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I do invest in the stock market and just continue to do dollar cost averaging index funds. I don't do anything fancy. But one thing I do want to point out about what is going on right now, because it is related to real estate, is that we are all seeing bond yields start to rise. And I know bond yields are the least sexy, most boring thing in the world, but they control so much of what is going on in the economy. Right now, bond yields are pushing up mortgage rates, and that will probably put downward pressure on housing prices. It does a very similar thing in in the stock market, just so people are aware, because it gives investors an alternative to speculative stocks and things. So we saw that in over the pandemic, a lot of people didn't want to invest in bonds because the yields were so low. So they were pouring money into the stock market. Now bonds are starting gradually to look more attractive. And you could start seeing people pulling money out of the stock market and into the bond mar- or into the bond market instead because it is a relatively safe investment. So something just to consider for everyone listening to that. For the second story and headline I want to talk about today, and we're only going to do two today, is about the housing market and what is going on right now. March numbers are starting to come out. And just so everyone knows, there is we get this data like a month in arrears. And so we are still talking about March, March data, but it is very relevant. The numbers came in and we saw 17% year-over-year price growth, 17% rent growth, but inventory remains at all-time lows on a seasonally adjusted basis. So that is really, really interesting. And I think the data point that stood out to me the most is that home buyer mortgage payments, so the average amount a new person, if you went to buy a house, is paying for their mortgage right now, was up 38% over the year before. And that is due to, of course, the rising prices, but rapidly rising interest rates. That number sort of boggled my mind. Jamil, let's start with you. What do you think about all this data from the March housing market? I mean, it makes sense, right? We're seeing it. I'm, I'm seeing it in my business. We have tremendous volume. The appetite has not gone away. The secondary home buyers are still very, very much actively buying. You saw a small, I, I mean, a little blip 
A little blip from retail home buyers as they paused. They gave pause for a moment as rates started to increase. The secondary home buyers came in, gobbled up everything. The home buyers are the the primary home buyers, your doctors or sorry, your your school teachers, your nurses. These people were waiting, hoping that there might have been an opportunity. Never happened. So they jumped back in. Now, of course, payments are up. Things are not affordable. We're we're not seeing something healthy here, but it's what I've been predicting. I think the secondary home buyer is strong. I think that they are waiting for this opportunity for rates to go up so they can come in and grab more and more inventory off the market, and it's not going to get any better. Kathy? Well, we are looking at the results of low interest rates. You have low interest rates for an extended period of time that allows more people to afford to buy, and the natural result is higher home prices. So it's nothing unexpected. What's really difficult is those prices are up and now interest rates are going up because they need to to slow it down. So right now might be potentially the most expensive time to buy. Um, that's not stopping people though. <laughs> they're, they're still, uh, you know, they're still, sales are down slightly uh, this past month, but there are still plenty of buyers out there who can afford. That's really what it comes down to. I have, we have actually all of us, a personal friend, can't say who, who's um, buying a really expensive home in Austin, uh, moving out of a high priced area. So you've still got movement happening, people with who have made a tremendous amount of money over the past year, people who did pick the right stocks and the right real estate and the right profession, you know, have have done really well and are loaded. The consumer is probably the strongest ever. The FICO st- scores that we've seen uh, have been the highest, you know, over 740 or whatever. This is not the subcri- subprime crisis at all. So prices are high but still affordable for some people. But for, for again, like you said, the, the daycare workers, this is something I wanted to say last time. I have friends who are daycare workers in Seattle. They're, they're, not, they're not experiencing the, the salary increases that the tech people are. And they, they need to take care of these children. Where are they going to live? So there, there is a separation that's happening, and it's very concerning uh, for, for workers who aren't seeing the kind of wage increases. All right. Henry, what do you think about this, these numbers? Yes. yeah i mean come on this is what this is what we've been talking about right like the the key things that you said um that i kind of honed in are are supply and demand right so we've still got low inventory that's always going to bring more buyers yes there's higher interest rates that just means a subsection of buyers get priced out right um no matter what the interest rates are, there's going to be a subsection of buyers that get priced out. That just that subsection gets larger the higher the interest rates go. But there's still plenty of people who want to buy. The other number that kind of caught my eye there was rent growth at 17%. That means rents are higher now too. And so people who may have thought, you know what, I don't want to buy right now because I can I can just rent and save some cash and then boom their rent goes up or they move and they're paying new market rents at their new place, they start doing the math and reevaluating and going, well, maybe I'm okay paying a couple hundred dollars a month more. At least I get to own, even if I'm, I'm paying, you know, a, a higher amount than I would be accustomed to paying. At least I get the other benefits of ownership. And so, yeah, man, yeah, I mean, the people, people are still gonna, still going to buy if the, if the demand is there um, and the supply is not, that's why, that's why, that's why I love this business. 
I wonder if we're going to have a baby boom of all these single people that are paying all this expensive rent getting together and, and moving in with each other just because they need to be able to afford things. And now they're just having more babies because of inflation. <laughs> oh, you, you think that, that the decreased, decreased affordability is going to lead to a population surge in the United States? <laughs> because babies aren't know. expensive at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good point. <laughs> it's just kicking the can down the road, Kathy. That's how we live. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for those very quick takes. We are going to get all into how to invest in this confusing economic time right after this. I'm curious. Have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, welcome back to On The Market for our due diligence section today. We are gonna be talking about how to make sense of this very challenging market for new investors. Or maybe it's not very challenging, we'll talk about this. But before we get into it and I ask you all your opinions, I'd like to just sort of set the stage for this conversation and, and sort of tell the story I keep hearing from a lot of people about their experience and where they are getting stuck in investing. And basically the, the story goes like this. You're a hard working adult. You're you're trying to get ahead. You have a, maybe you have a, a full-time job. You might have some kids and you want a good life. You're not asking for too much. You're looking for a life where you don't have financial stress and you want freedom over your time. And you're trying to do well. You are making good financial decisions, but we all know it's pretty tough, you know, Savings accounts are pretty much useless. Wage growth has not been really significant since the 1970s. And, you know, life is expensive shit. You have medical bills, you have student debt, you have all this stuff going on. And then maybe one day, hopefully, you discover bigger pockets or another investing resource and you're like, yes, this is it. I need to invest. This is the, the key to what I want. And I don't know if this, maybe this for you was five years ago. Maybe it was during the pandemic. You, as, as Henry has talked a lot about, you chose to educate yourself financially. Uh, whatever it is, maybe you got to feel excited about investing and then all of a sudden it's 2020. And you <laughs> see now this virus that is shutting down the world economy and you're disinfecting your mail and you're trying to make bread and it tastes like <laughs> shit. And you go to Zoom birthdays and puzzles and you're bored and it's just awful. I mean, there's like murder hornets going on. Australia catches fire. Everything is terrible. But 
you keep your resolve and you're trying to commit to investing. You're like, once the pandemic's over, that's when I'm going to invest. But then housing prices take off. They're at an all time high and it's super hard to get a deal. Inflation makes everything even more expensive. The Fed announces they're raising interest rates. Everyone's freaking out. Economists are starting to break recessions. And if all this wasn't bad enough, some assholes go and start the first ground war in Europe since the 1940s, called causing untold suffering and a huge humanitarian crisis. So it's a perfect time to invest, right? I mean, is this, <laughs> is this a story that resonates with you guys? Do you feel like this is the best, is it still a good time despite all of these challenges to invest? Henry, I'm going to open the floor to you. Again, yes. <laughs> Should we just end the podcast now? Was it just, right. just we're done. We're yes. done. two credits? Look, man. Um, I mean, uh, yes, all of that craziness and uncertainty and scariness ha- happened, right? And craziness continues to happen. But what we talked about in the last segment is also happening, which is real estate is proving itself to be a phenomenal vehicle still to build wealth. And yes, it's scary. But for those of us who were in before all the craziness, and and I bet if you ask people who've gotten in even after the craziness happened, the good majority of them are in a better financial position today than they were in before they got started, right? Because values are increasing, because demand is so high and supply is so low. And yes, there's been a ton of money out there and that's what's causing people to go out and buy, buy, buy because they wanna protect that money by putting it into an asset that they feel is going to increase in value over time. And history says with real estate that that's true. And so, yes, it is. It has been crazy and it's going to, you know, who knows what's going to happen. If I've learned one thing, it's that I know nothing about what's going to happen in the political environment or in the health health crisis environment. Like, I don't know. Are we going to wear masks again? Who knows? You know, are we going to get locked up? Who knows? But I know that real estate has proven itself to be a phenomenal investment vehicle, especially for those of us who have educated ourselves and then taken action on the education to buy quality assets um, as as often as they can. Totally with you. But the the fear is real, right? You know, it's not I, I don't feel like it's yes. as obvious as it was, in, you know, in 2014. It was a lot easier to find a deal and financing that made sense to you. Kathy, do you think the fear is legitimate and how do you how do you get over that fear? There are so many things to be afraid of. And I could tell you that what's happening today is nothing new. When I was um, young, and that was a little while ago, we were worried that, uh, you know, one, two guys were going to push a button and blow up the world. And we had to learn how to drop and roll. Remember that, you know, stop, drop and roll uh, to not get blown up. That's how I was raised. Uh, I bought my first house right before Y2K. Everyone thought the world was going to end. There's always something. My, my background, my degree is in broadcasting. I worked in ABC and CNN and and um, and and Fox before when it was just regular news, and um, and I can tell you that 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 was our business model was to scare you. I, I hate to say it, but if the headline didn't draw viewers, then uh, we didn't have uh, advertisers. So it was it always came down to scaring you. So just just know that 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 headline and there's more headlines now. Back then 
there were five. There were, you know, five radio, um, news stations. That was it. And that's where you could get afraid. But now it's everywhere. It's on your phone. It's it's on your computer. You just try to search to shop and, you know, something comes up. So um, it's we're being bombarded by it. Uh, I can tell you, you know, when I was terrified and I made rich change outside before he came in our house and wash everything down like he I was probably the most scared person in, in March of 2020 because I have asthma and I didn't want to die in a, an aisle of a hospital so I I understand and I remember Rich just took me and and he looked me in the eye that Rich is my husband and uh and just said you're gonna be okay you know, you're going to be okay. And it's like, yeah, you know, because it, I am. And just a shift of belief system that you're going to be okay and stop looking at the news. Just stop. It's it's not – focus on what you want to create and, and put all your energy there because the world is always in turmoil. It always has been – this is a horrible war that's happening, but there have been wars. There's always wars. For some reason, this one – we were more upset about maybe because we've been to these places or they look like us or whatever. There's been wars in Africa. There's always humanitarian crisis that's terrible. When you build wealth, you can donate to these organizations and you can help more than if you don't. So focusing on becoming successful is really important and just to, just let all that stuff go and know that you can make money in any market, in any cycle. The only reason you're afraid, the only reason is because you haven't done it and and maybe you you know you haven't learned enough. So find a mentor and or you know read more books, listen to more podcasts and take the step. This is what I told my daughter when she said, you know, mom, I'm too young to buy a house at, at age 24. I said, Who's your mama? No, no, you're not. You know, so, you, you know, go just the first step. Just do the first step because she was about to go buy a car. I said, oh, my gosh, the eight hours you're going to spend trying to buy a freaking car and, and now throw your debt to income ratios completely off. Just spend that time. Spend one hour, one hour with a mortgage broker. That's all I ask. That's all after all I've given you for 24 years. Just do this for me. And she did it. She went and she talked to the mortgage broker. She came back and she's like, they said I qualify for a $300,000 home. She was two years out of college with making $26,000 a year. This is not a wealthy person. So she she was shocked. And it was just taking that step, learning a little bit more. Then she's like, Mom, I don't know how to get a mortgage. Well, all of it is terrifying. When my friend bought her first house before I was in real estate, I was like, oh, that's too overwhelming for me. And it is. It's a lot. But when you when you do it, when you go through the process, you learn so much. So it might not be the best deal in the world, the first deal you do, but you will learn so much. And it might be the best deal. In the case of my daughter, she found a $250,000 house in, in Chico, California. It was cheaper. And I'm talking California. She It was cheaper than what she was paying for rent. And then the fires happened, the big Paradise Fires. I'm sure you heard about that was just like the neighboring town. All of a sudden, she was getting people desperate for a place to live, and she was able to rent her place out. The insurance paid for it all, $3,500, when her mortgage was 1400 a month. She was making $2,000 cash flow at age 24. She's like, okay, mom, I get it now. She wouldn't have known that. She wouldn't have known that if she didn't just take that first step. So I always tell people, just talk to a mortgage broker just to find out, you know, what 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 does it take? What's the process? What do you need to do? Do you need to fix your credit? Okay, they'll tell you that. You know, that's the first step. Ugh, Kathy's Kathy's voice telling me it's gonna be okay. The next time I'm stressed <laughs> it makes out, you feel good. I'm calling you. 
so you can talk <laughs> me down. I I am I feel great right now. Yay! Our our, <laughs> our next our next data drop is going to be a, a an audio recording of Kathy just reassuring people. That it's right. be, it's just okay. A, it's a guided meditation by Kathy Fetke. You're going to be okay. <laughs> I'm subscribing right now. I do want to move this into practical tips and strategies for investing as a new investor. But Jamil, I, I would like to hear your perspective on this. And from a mindset perspective, how do you advise people that you interact with about getting into today's market? Well, I appreciate you asking the question because I, I agree with both of uh, Henry and Kathy. You get what you're looking for. And are you investing in fear or are you investing in opportunity and possibility? And that's truly what we can always be doing, right? So shifting perspective, shifting focus will find you a reality that you're trying to find. So if you are being crippled by the news, if you're being crippled by negativity, if you're being crippled by your own subconscious mind telling you that things are going to be harder for you, then you are ingesting the wrong information. I promise you, you're ingesting the wrong information. You need to invest your mind in opportunity and possibility. Look, Life is hard for people right now who made life hard. And I'm not, I'm sorry if you're, if your situation right now is difficult, you have to look at the choices that got you there. That's just what is happening in, in reality. You can focus your attention. You can focus your momentum in a trajectory that's going to get you across the line. That takes time. That takes dedication. That takes adjusting your energy on a daily basis. But the product of that, if you look Three years down the road from you just making that investment into the way that you think, the way that you feel, and the way that you operate, and then you see what your life looks like in three years, it's going to be different. This is great advice to all of you. Thank you for, for sharing this because I do think there is reasonable fear and it is hard to get over it. But advice from people like all of you who have done this before and have gotten to a right mindset to pursue your financial goals is super valuable. Let's switch gears here and talk about Nuts and bolts, how how do you go about investing right now if you're new in this economic climate? So Jamil, is that to you wholesaling or how would you advise someone if they had to focus in on one strategy, what would you tell them to do? Well, let's look at the parameters we're working with right now. We're working with rising interest rates, so it's harder and harder to qualify for a property because the rates are high and you may not have a job right now that's gonna be able to get you that qualified mortgage. So that could be difficult for people and keeping them from taking action. You're looking at retail inventory out on the in the world on the MLS. It's very sparse and not a lot of it pencils out, right? And so it's like, well, how do I even, I can't, I can't jump into that. So it doesn't pencil. I'm going to have negative cash flow. I'm not going to take action. So that's what's crippling a lot of people right now because when you're looking at real estate from a rental perspective, you have to have some money before you can start doing these things in a great way. That's actually going to move the needle in your life. Why wholesaling is such an incredible tool. You invest in education and understanding and learning how to underwrite property. Once you understand what a deal is, now you know what to do. Now you know, okay, I've got an opportunity here. There's equity in this opportunity. There's so much potential here. I can go sell off a piece of that potential for a large amount of money. Look, guys, anyone listening to this, how much would $10,000 change your life right now versus an extra $200 a month? How much would $40,000 change your life right now versus an extra $500 a month? I'm not saying that an extra two or $500 a month isn't good, but an extra $10,000 or $40,000 is much better. Okay, so understanding wholesaling can get you large chunks of money, which you can then use to invest in buying and building a rental portfolio. But 
first. We need money. And you're going to get money by learning how to wholesale. In fact, Dave, I am so adamant on people understanding and learning how to understand value. I put together this set of rules on, on there are the appraisal rules. I went and I spoke to appraisers across the country. I took courses on appraising. I understand how to understand value. It's the only thing I feel like I'm really good at other than combing my hair in the morning. I'm very good at understanding value. I made these appraisal rules and I'm happy to give it away to everybody listening to this podcast. You can find these appraisal rules. You can learn how to underwrite and spot a deal. And then when you can spot a deal, bring it to me, bring it to one of my 106 franchises across the country. Let us buy it from you, pay you 10 to $40,000 or even more, and then go out and start a better life. Ooh, that's a deal. Yeah, thank you for offering that. I guess that's a data drop. We'll need to get the uh, air horn in the middle of the episode this time. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> of course. Before we move on, though, I do want to bring out one other question about wholesaling. Because to me, and I, I've never wholesaled a deal, to be honest, is it a way, is it a relatively low risk way for new people who might be afraid and want to sort of dip their toe into real estate investing to get involved? Absolutely. Because look, you're trading instruments when you're wholesaling, right? You're trading a contract. You're only selling a right to buy. Now that right to buy doesn't mean that you're you have to actually buy this thing right now. And I'm not telling you to go out there and unethically tie up people and lie to people and, and put people in bad situations. But let's be honest, we're in a, an inventory crunch. There's still 15 million vacant gross houses out there in the United States, okay? That inventory crunch doesn't exist in this market of distress, in this world of, of distress where all of these really crummy houses that retail buyers can't buy because they're unfinanceable. That's where we trade in wholesale, that's where the potential lies, right? So yes, you're not putting yourself in a risky situation because again, these properties require due diligence. They require time. They require experts to come in, take them and make them vertical and beautify them again and put them back into the retail space. You, my friend, who is listening to this, thinking about getting into wholesale, are providing those people the opportunity to do that. You are adding value to the marketplace. You are serving a purpose. So by learning how to wholesale, by learning how to underwrite, you are taking a first step into real estate investing without having to buy a house, without having to get a mortgage. Think of that. All you're doing is understanding how to underwrite and then trading that mind and that contract for a profit. What a beautiful thing. All right. Thank you for explaining that. I think it's a super helpful topic for our listeners to consider if they are not ready to pull the trigger. But let's talk about pulling the trigger. If you are ready to, to buy or you want to do this in conjunction with real estate, Kathy, what would your strategy recommendation be for anyone who's trying to make their first investment right now? I actually outlined this in my book. It's super clear to know where you're going. What is it you're trying to achieve? And then, so know where you're going. And then you've got to know where you are. So if, if I was to say, you know, let's say, you wanted to be in Phoenix. We're all, all of us four are coming from different places. It's going to be a different way to get there, right? So uh, the way that you do that is really just sit down and decide, what am I trying to do? What, why would I buy a piece of property? Why would I wholesale? What am I trying to get to? And is it you're trying to increase cash flow? Are you trying to invest for the future? Do you have a lot of time? Do you have no time? These are all things that are really important to look at first. So where where are you wanting to be and where are you now? The, the biggest mistake or a very big mistake is people have no idea 
how much money they make sometimes or how much they're spending in taxes or how much they're spending on dinners and whatever. Just get awareness is the first step. <laughs> you hear this a lot in, in motivational seminars and it's really true. Awareness is the first step. Where are you? And and to just understand your finances. Do you have a tax problem? Are you paying way too much in taxes? That's going to be, you're going to solve that differently than somebody who doesn't have a job and is paying no taxes and, 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 and needs to make cash flow. So getting those things really clear, what is it you're trying to achieve and where are you now? And then what is your path going to be? It's going to be different for everyone. That's why it's hard for me to give a straight answer here. But if you are not you don't have any money, then you're going to probably, first of all, you're going to have to get really educated. Like Jamil said, make sure you are one hell of an underwriter. Because if you find the deal and it's a good deal, you're going to find the money. That's not going to be a problem. Uh, So, right? If you have money and no time, you know, maybe you just need to really understand what you know why do why are you wanting to buy real estate is it for tax benefits well maybe you invest in somebody else's passive income project maybe a syndication where you get those tax benefits but you don't have to do anything you get the cash flow and tax benefits or you just buy a really already like a brand new rental property that doesn't need any of your time and energy but it's in a growth market and and uh you know you've got great property management in place so again it's going to be different for everybody but starting out knowing what you want, are you, you know, and then where you are. So do you think then that given, I totally agree with everything you're saying. That's excellent advice because your strategy is inherently personal. It has to be, reflect your own personal goals. But do you believe that any and all real estate strategies are still possible and advisable to first time investors in this type of economic climate? Oh my God. Gosh, yes, of course. Of course, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's just not going to be the same strategy as maybe last year or or the last 10 years. But there's always always opportunity. I can't emphasize that enough. There's right now, right now we're actually really excited like, oh, finally there's more inventory. We've been in this inventory starved market and it's not really much better, but it's a little tiny bit better. So for the first time in years, we're actually able to to get some some uh, properties at auction in Tampa. That has not happened for years. So for the first time, we're having a property tour and going to look at foreclosed homes. I mean, again, I that sounds uh, that sounds bad. It's not like we're just trying to we're hoping people will lose their homes. Not at all. But there have been some people that kind of were able to take advantage of the foreclosure moratoriums who were already late um, on their on their mortgages before COVID. So it wasn't really COVID related. And they're just coming through the pipeline. But the, the you know, the uh, auctions were just shut down. So there is more, there's more inventory coming on the market, which means there's more opportunity coming. Great advice. Thank you, Kathy. Henry, what is your strategy tip for new investors in 2022? Yes. Look, Kathy's 100% right. You got to know what you want to do, right? So uh, look, I tell people, you have to, you have to decide you're going to invest in real estate, right? Make a decision and truly make that decision in your mind and in your heart. Because when you decide you're going to do something, the universe gets out of your way. Right. And you start to see options for how that can be possible. 
when you just say, hey, I, I think I think real estate's a great hedge. I'd like to try and own a property. We'll see how it goes, right? Your brain doesn't start working for you. Your brain just starts going through what it normally goes through, the things it already knows. And then when you run into a roadblock like inventory shortage or rising interest rates or, um, you know, you don't have the down payment money, right? All these roadblocks that pop up, then you stop, right? You just say, oh, well, it's too hard. I can't. I can't in this market. It's too hard. But that may not be true at all. Kathy just said there's there's no there's a bunch of different ways you can get into real estate investing. And that's still true, even in this market. But you have to make a decision in your mind that I will buy an investment property in the next 60, 90, 120, six months, whatever. Pick your time frame and just write it down five times a day. I will buy an investment property because what you do when you do that is you open up your mind to the to the to the possibilities of how you can get in the game. Too many people want to know the how before they take any action. And that's not the way things work. Like you can't have every step lined out for you. And it just says, okay, you go, you open Zillow and then you search and then you find a house and then you go, that's the one. And then you call the bank and they're like, here's all the money. And then you buy a property and then you get a tenant and then it cash flows. Yay. Real estate. That's not how it works. Y'all you have to decide you're going to invest in real estate. And when you do that, it's like the red truck theory, right? It's like, You want to buy this pretty red truck and you go out and you buy it because nobody has this truck and you're going to be super cool guy with the cool red truck. And then every other truck you see after you buy that truck is a red truck. There's no more red trucks today than there was yesterday. It's just that your brain is open to the idea that they exist. Right. And so if you tell yourself and you make a decision that you're going to invest, you will start to hear things in conversation. You'll start to hear things in podcasts. You'll start to hear some of the great wisdom that, that Kathy and Jamil and Dave are dropping right now and be like, Oh, that's it. That's how I can do this. Right. This information was out there before your brain just wasn't open to, to receiving it and putting it into action. Right. So the step one is the decision you have to make and you have to be, you got to make it in your mind and in your heart and know that no matter what comes up, I'm going to figure out how to get this done. That's step one. Step two is just evaluate your situation, right? Evaluate where you are. Kathy touched on this. Evaluate where you are and what you want. I can tell you something. A lot of you want to buy a rental property and you don't realize you're living in it. Tons of you live in a property that would be a phenomenal rental, right? Three bed, two bath, 1500 square foot, you know, first, first house. That's an amazing house. It's it's amazing that you bought that house. But it might be a fantastic rental. Maybe it's a fantastic Airbnb. You know, you have to know the market that you're in. So you could potentially move out of that property, rent it out, and then use a program like an FHA program to buy a duplex. You know, you can buy up to four units with an FHA loan, and you can live in one of those units and you can rent the other units. Or you can live in one of those units and you can Airbnb the other units. Or you can live in one of those units and you can rent out the rooms in your current, in your side and the other side. I'm not saying this house hacking strategy works for everybody in any situation. But what I am saying is it can probably work for a lot of people. But it's going to retire you to get it's going to it's going to require you to get a little uncomfortable. Right. But wealth is built in uncomfortable zones. If, if wealth was comfortable, everybody'd be wealthy. It's going to take you getting a little uncomfortable. I've heard people say, hey, I want to buy rental property. How do I get in the game? And I say, you should house hack. Well, I don't want to share walls. (laughs) 
well, that's a silly thing to stop you from building wealth. Or they say, well, my wife won't want to share walls. But still, it's a silly thing to stop you from building wealth. Does this strategy work for everybody? No, it doesn't. But think about this. If you live in a house that you can currently rent out and then you go buy in a duplex, let's just call it a duplex, and you live in one side and you rent the other side and the other side covers your mortgage, right? And so let's say right now you're paying a thousand bucks a month. I know that's probably low, right? For rent or for your mortgage, a thousand bucks a month. If you live there for 12 months, let's say you just keep paying that, but you pay it to yourself. After 12 months, you've got 12 grand saved up. After two years, you've got $24,000 saved up. Then you can go take that $24,000. You can buy whatever dream house you're looking to buy. You've got $24,000 to use as a down payment. You move into that and then you rent out the unit that you're living in and the rent from the unit you're living in pays for half your mortgage at your new dream house. You can get to your goals faster if you just look at the situation you have and see how you can leverage it to reach your goals, right? Yes, it might be a little uncomfortable, but ask yourself, am I living in my first rental or can I just go buy a duplex and live in my rental and then have two doors? I don't know, man. I think it's a phenomenal way to get. I did it and it's how I live in the dream house that I have right now. And it changed my life forever. And this market is crazy and it's going to keep, it's going to continue to to be crazy for a little while. So just look at the situation that you have and the tools that you have at your disposal and be a little creative with how you try to find that first deal. Is it a wholesale? Maybe. Is it a house hack? Maybe. Right. But you might, you're going to have to get creative and you're probably going to have to get a little uncomfortable and you need to be okay with that. That was very well said, Henry. I'm inspired to go start house hacking again, even though I've I've done that a few times at this point. <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that, you know, when, when people ask me what's the easiest way to get into real estate investing, I say the same thing. I always say house hacking because there are just so many advantages. So, you know, I agree with Jamil that that uh, wholesaling is really good if you especially if you don't have money saved up. It's a great learning experience. But if you want to actually buy the house. House hacking, super great opportunity. As Henry said, you can take advantage of an FHA loan and put as little as 3% down. And in a rising interest rate environment, you get owner-occupied financing. And I think that is super important because over the last couple of years, the spread between an owner-occupied loan and an investor loan was not that much. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was not as great as it already is now. Now we're seeing it, it's at least a point. And so that means as a owner-occupant, your deals, like you can underwrite a deal better than someone who is not under uh, owner occupying something. So that is an advantage that you can take, that you can have over other people in the marketplace. And the other thing is as someone who has done this and was an awful landlord when I was house hacking is that (laughs) it is an amazing learning experience. You will learn more about property management by house hacking than you will by buying out of state and buying down the road for for years. You will learn so much living in a property that it will set you up for long-term success in, in real estate, in my opinion. So I'm with you, Henry. I know it's a little uncomfortable, but again, as someone who's done this, it's really not that uncomfortable. It's not you that know, uncomfortable. It's, a lot, you know, it's yeah. really not. You know, like what what's so bad about sharing walls? Like I've lived in apartments. I live in an apartment right now. I share walls with people right now. Like it's really not that bad. It's it's a pretty normal thing to do. And so if you could do that and build wealth at the same time, uh, I'm all for it. 
So you guys, you all have given really excellent um, input and advice on first things you could do. We've talked about house hacking, skills like learning to underwrite, and Jamil very generously is giving away uh, that underwriting document. We've talked about assessing your situation. Um, Kathy talked about just talking to a mortgage lender. What a great piece of advice. Just go figure out what you qualify. Stop thinking about like, what if you could find out for sure what you qualify for? Before we go, are there any other like practical tips, individual pieces of advice that people could do right now today to get them that next step forward towards their first deal? 100%, I think you just hit it, is too many times we let what we think is going to happen, stop us from the action that we want to take. I've heard people say all the time, I want to buy a rental property, but my debt to income isn't good. So I I can't qualify right now. Oh, okay. Well, which, which, which mortgage lender told you that? Well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked to one yet. (laughs) Or I can't buy a house right now because I I can't buy, I can't house hack. I can't qualify for a duplex. They cost way more than a single family home. There's just no way I can afford that. Oh, okay. Did the, the bank, the bank told you that? Well, well, no, I just know they're more expensive. Well, yeah, if they're occupied with, with tenants, do you know that they can use the rents that that place is making to qualify you for more because that's income for you? Oh, I had no idea, right? I think a lot of the times we have to stop convincing ourselves that we can't do something before we just go get the answers for ourselves. So take the step. The practical step is go talk to a bank. Go talk to a real estate agent. Right. Go talk to the professionals in your field and tell them your goals. I want to buy a rental property in the next six months. What is it that I need to do in order to get that done? And let them give you the practical advice and let them tell you exactly what you can and can't do. And stop telling yourself what you can't do based on what somebody on the Internet said or one of your friends said that tried to buy a house a few months ago and got beat out. Like there's a just go figure it out for yourself. You'll be surprised at what you can probably accomplish if you stop saying no to yourself. I am feeling so inspired. I am I am ready to go do my first deal all over again. It's <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and go go house hack. Kathy or Jamil, either of you have any last thoughts on the, uh, or advice for first time investors? Absolutely. So you know, a motto of mine is squat up. Right, squat up. Go find a community. Find people that are doing it. Just like Henry just said. There are people living what you are trying to live and they're nice. Get it. Guess what? <laughs> Most successful people got there because they're not dicks. <laughs> Truly, right? You can, you can go and get advice from people. You can be friendly with people. You can tell people I'm new. I'm, I'm wanting to learn. And you'd be surprised at just how many people are willing to offer mentorship or offer stewardship and just be a part of your life, a part of your journey because they're just genuinely good people and they want to see others succeed right? Community, squatting up, getting with other people that are doing what you're trying to accomplish. You cannot be left behind if you are forcing yourself into the pack. That's just what it is. Go do it. Go do that thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you are being negative, being a downer, seeing all the reasons you can't, you, this is the only way I can say it, you haven't arrived yet. 
You you have not adopted a an abundance mindset. And when you're around investors, all they're doing is talking about opportunity. And I, I've been doing this for 25 years, and there's been a lot that's happened in 25 years, a lot of negative stuff out there. And, and yet it was 25 years ago that I learned this, that successful people have a different mindset. They see things differently. So if you're seeing all the reasons you can't, you haven't arrived yet. That's that's all I can say. There's work for you to do in, in changing your brain and changing your mindset to seeing what's available. And the way you do that is through learning and by doing it and, and by hanging around people who are where you want to be. Because that's when you go, oh my gosh, they actually do think differently. It's true. So go get it. Go shift it. Amazing advice from all of you. And if you're wondering... You know, where could I find all of these people who are interested in real estate investing? Well, BiggerPockets happens to be a free website where 2.5 million people who are interested in real estate investing are talking about real estate every single day. They are going on forums. There are incredibly experienced people answering forum questions completely for free. And we also have an amazing tool. Uh, you can go to biggerpockets.com slash agent and find a investor-friendly agent in any market that you're considering. These are easy, practical ways for you to build your network, to build your team, to squat up, as Jamil said, and get you on that path to that first deal. Thank you, Jamil, Henry, Kathy, for this advice. I am personally just feeling inspired, even though my first deal was quite a long time ago. We are going to get into some one of the members of our audience, of our community, asked a question about their first deal, and we are going to help them think through some of the challenges they have for this first deal right after this break. For our crowdsource section today, we are going to be helping a member of the On The Market community. I think this is a milestone for us. You know, in our first episode, we, have one we were now? saying this was the, the crowdsource and we imagined this theoretical crowd that was going to be <laughs> interacting with us and talking to us. And it exists now. And uh, for anyone listening to this who wants to interact with us, Instagram is always a good place to do it where we all have individual accounts. You can find those in the show notes um, or bigger pockets like we were just talking about. I posted a question on the bigger pockets forums asking people about a prospective deal that they were considering doing. And I got this response from Nico Dandini, who lives in Boston, but is looking to do a deal in Kansas City, Missouri. The deal is listed for $72,000. And rent is estimated to be $850 per month. So already in my mind, I'm thinking that beats the 1% rule. That, that baby's going to cash flow. That's really good. What Nico likes about this deal is the price. He has $14,000 saved up for a rental property, but he lives in a suburb of Boston. It's a pretty expensive market, so the cheaper out-of-state markets are attractive to him. And he thinks it looks like, for the most part, it's in good condition, but doesn't have any experience working with a contractor. So his big question and what he wants the help from the three of you about is the current price and the price cut by 6K on April 8th makes me wonder if there's something really bad I'm missing. In the Boston area, houses are going for tens of thousands over asking price without contingencies within a week of being listed. 
Why did the price get cut? Why has it been on the market for 20 days? What's wrong with it? What am I missing? Also, if I don't have enough cash to buy in rehab, I could buy it without a rehab, but given how the price is low and it was recently cut, something tells me I need to rehab something that I can't pick out from the pictures <laughs> on Zillow. All right, Henry, I love your chuckling. Let's, let's give you the first crack at this one. All right, I've got some super crazy advice for for is Nico. Was that his name, Mr. Nico? Nico, yes. Here's some super crazy advice. Um, numbers sound good, right? Yes, you're over the 1% rule. That's awesome. And I like your gut reaction to the price cut, right? Like you should trust your gut. If you, if, if you, if you smell like something's up, there may be something up, right? That's good intuition. Here's what I would do. If this is something you're seriously considering, which is investing in a market like Kansas, like Kansas City, which is outside of your area, right? If you're truly serious about it, line up this property. So contact a real estate agent or whoever you need to in order to line up a showing. Line up some other showings of similar properties in that neighborhood and then some properties in, a, in, a, in, a, in an adjacent neighborhood. And then here's the kicker. Go there. <laughs> wow yes revolutionary so, buy a plane ticket right because i hear this a lot people want to invest out of state they find what looks like a good deals numbers wise and 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 i just interviewed somebody on the the other bigger pocket show who did a first deal out of state who didn't go see the property and it was it is is paying the price for that, right? And so if you think about the cost of a plane ticket, yes, plane ticket costs are on the rise right now. Let's say it costs you, you know, between flight and a hotel, let's say it costs you a thousand bucks, right? You know, let's say it costs you 2000 bucks. Let's go crazy. Let's say it costs you 2000 bucks. And then you go there and you learn this property has so much distress that, uh, the pictures did it no justice. Maybe they were old pictures. Uh, maybe you uncovered that the electrical is just terrible or that there's a huge plumbing issue. Who knows what could be wrong that you can't see with pictures and you spent $2,000 and now you didn't buy a property. Man, you wasted $2,000. What did that $2,000 save you in sunken costs in a property that was going to be a money pit? Right. Stop looking at the price of getting on a plane and going to see something as what could potentially be a lot lost dollars and look at them as how many thousands could that save you if you just go put eyes on it yourself? No one is going to care more about your investment than you. And you can build an amazing team of boots on the ground who can help you do all these things virtually. And that's awesome. But you're still putting your trust in somebody who doesn't have the skin in the game that you're going to have to put in the game. This is great advice. And you might avoid a bad deal, which is as important, if not more important than finding a good deal. But in losing that deal, you might also learn the neighborhood better or find a block yes. that you find really interesting and yes. build a relationship with a local investor. There's so many other benefits from it, even if that one deal doesn't work right. out. I, I just did this myself and I hadn't done it in years and I just felt like really invigorated by it. It was really yes. fun, really informative. And I just love this advice, but please finish your thought, Henry. Sorry to interrupt. It's also going to be easier to build your core four and build your team. When you go get on the ground and go meet these people in person, they'll take you more seriously than just some guy who called them from out of state and who wants to pour money into their community, right? Show them that you're serious. Show them that you not only want to invest, but you care about their community as well. And it's going to help build your team. And, and like I said, this could be a great deal. 
but go figure it out for yourself because nobody else is going to care like you. Don't be a sucker from a high-priced market who thinks everything that isn't Boston prices or California prices is a good deal. This is this is classic. You know, when I started investing, it's like I had a big D on my forehead of just dummy because, oh, you're from California. Everything looks like a deal for you. Uh, it may not be. And, and the, to me, the biggest issue I saw with this question is the fact that you don't know the condition of the property. You can find out the condition of the property without visiting, although I always recommend really knowing your market, knowing the street, street level. One street is different than another street. It really matters. But even if you didn't go, you could get three or four inspections or get, just get even one inspection uh, from a, you know, a licensed inspector who can tell you what's wrong with the property and how much money you're going to have to put into it. So the fact that you don't know, of course, that's like I said, if you fear is it comes from not knowing. If you don't know the condition of the property, do not buy it because that could cost you 40 grand. You don't know. You know, until until you find out, you know, is there a foundation issue? That will be expensive. A roof, it's going to be expensive. So, yeah, just find out. Maybe save yourself the trip first and just pay the 400 bucks for an inspection report. And, and if it's, you know, if it needs a lot of work, don't get it. But, but then the second thing is, you know, also make sure, I, I mentioned this before, Talk to a property manager because they're a little bit more honest. They're, they have nothing to gain by you buying a, a, a crappy property because then they have to manage a crappy property. Nobody wants to do that. So always talk to a property manager or several um, to make sure that they, they would verify those rents and that they like that neighborhood. Uh, you can look up crime statistics. Uh, but, but again, getting on a plane and going is always a good idea as well because you can talk to neighbors. You can go to the local Starbucks and say, what do you think about this neighborhood? Uh, so, yeah, just the not knowing is what causes a lot of fear. All right, Jamil, take us away. I love both of those answers. I'm going to give you some advice that's not going to require you having to visit the town quite yet. Uh, how I would do it is I would go and invest in, if, if you're doing this full time, you should be investing in some kind of a resource or a tool like a batch leads that can show you where properties are trading for for cash value. Like where are investors buying properties in that area for cash? So that's my first data point I want to look at. The second thing I want to do is if I feel like this actually is a good potential. And since you do have the money to purchase this property, you are a legitimate buyer. I would lock that property up with a nice due diligence period. Then instead of traveling, I would send that deal out with a $5,000 markup on it to other investors in the area. And I would see, could I wholesale this property? What are the buyers telling me about this property? Let them go and do the work for you. Let them go be your due diligence. Let them go bring the contractors. Let them go do the inspections and tell you why you're either out to lunch or why you have a good deal. Now, if you have a good deal, you might decide to take the $5,000 wholesale fee and sell the contract to another investor and let them do it. Now you made five grand. Or you may decide, hey, all the buyers want this property. I'm going to keep it for myself. That saved you a plane ticket and might have made you five grand or got you a property. What a smarty pants. <laughs> this is a perfect way to wrap up the show because I, we wanted to start the show in a way that showed how there's different ways to get to your first deal. And this is a perfect way to wrap it up that, you know, Nico or anyone else out there listening there's so many different ways to get in. You could wholesale, you could go visit, you could buy data. There's so many different ways that you can approach this. The key is really to take action. And hopefully this conversation has been really helpful to all of you listening and helps you inspire you to go out there and take action. Henry, Jamil, Kathy, this has been so much fun. As always, you have inspired me and I can't wait to talk to you all again real soon on the next episode of On The Market. We'll see y'all soon. On the Market is created by Dave Meyer and Kaylin Bennett, produced by Kaylin Bennett, edited by Joel Esparza, 
Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Special thanks to Lisa Scheuer, Eric Knutson, Danielle Daly, and Nathan Winston. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. Investing in small multifamily properties is probably the most popular niche in the entire Bigger Pockets community, and there's a good reason for that. You can put as little as 3.5% down and own up to four units. So just think about that for a second. You can house hack where you live in one of the units, but in addition to having a place to live, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month. You have four kitchens and bathrooms that you could add value to to build equity. You could also turn one or more of the properties into a short-term rental or a medium-term rental. And all this, what I'm describing here, is just one transaction. But of course, the question is, where do you find one of these small multifamily properties that you can afford? Which markets and which deals are best for you? How about after you close? How do you manage it? Optimize it. Keep scaling and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants. These are all great questions. And luckily for you, they're going to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient, great strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. I'll see you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.